Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Today, we are continuing our series. Last week, we talked about hope, and we talked about the shepherds. And so last week's candle is the hope candle in Advent. Uh, and, and so I'll light that one first. And if you remember last week, we talked about this. And so the, the Advent wreath, there's nothing special about this other than um, I, I made this from Michael's. That's the only thing that makes the, this Advent wreath any special. I would encourage you to do this in your home. It is a, it is a great way. We have, I must confess, we have not done this yet at my house. Uh, but uh, we did it last year, and I hope to do it again this year. But it is a special way for us to recognize the coming, celebrate the coming of Christ. And that's what Advent is all about. The wreath is round to symbolize the eternity that Christ offers and, and has given us uh, with what he did for us on the cross. And uh, the candles represent the light that comes into the world. So each week that we light a candle, we'll represent, it represents the light that is coming. And eventually on Christmas Eve, we'll light the middle candle here and celebrate the birth of Christ with the final candle. But each week represents a different thing. And so today, we're t- well, last week we talked about hope. Today we're talking about peace. And so today I light the peace candle to celebrate peace, the peace that Jesus has given us. And like I said, there's, not, there's a lot of ways that uh, different churches have done this throughout the past, throughout the history. Uh, but in reality, it's just candles and it's just wreaths. There's nothing special about it. But it is a way for us to recognize the importance of Christ and what he did and, and how important this season is and how we can celebrate the reason for the season. And one of the reasons for the season is peace. And uh, so today, I want to talk about peace. I want to talk about what Jesus really means for us in the world of peace. And in Luke chapter two, we're kind of going to get right into it this morning and dive into the the scriptures. And I want to read to you the story of the shepherds in, uh, did I call that first candle the shepherd candle? I'm realizing that now. It's not the shepherd candle. It's the prophet candle. Did I I say shepherd? You guys paying attention? I said said prophet candle? Okay. All right. All right. I got shepherds in my mind. So I, I, you know. Anyway, all right, so uh, that is the prophet candle. And so we talked about how they, in the Old Testament, the prophets talked about Christ's coming, and they were, there's hope. And, and if you were with us last week, I talked about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, how the Old Testament was written before Christ, the New Testament was written during Christ, or when, during Christ's time on earth. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is really one page in my Bible, but it represents about 400 years that people were waiting for this, this, uh, this, this, they didn't know what to expect, but this king to come. And so today, we talked about the hope, we're talking about the peace, and, and I wanna read to you in Luke chapter two about the peace or about this, this story of Christ. And uh, I'm in Mark, so hang on, there we go. You gotta love the ribbons. All right, Luke chapter two, verse eight is where we're gonna start, and it says this, in the same region, shepherds, we're staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock at night. I know the different Bible verse memorized, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna slaughter what I'm reading and give you what I know in the, same, in the same token. But the important thing here is I wanna point out the shepherds. The shepherds were out in the fields in the middle of the night, and this was very common for shepherds, and shepherds were lowly people. They were looked down upon in this time, in this era. I don't know if you know any shepherds, <laughs> but shepherds were dirty, they were with their 
sheep. They slept with their sheep. They cared for their sheep, and they cared for really themselves, other shepherds, and their sheep. That's all they cared about because that's their money, that's their possession, that's their pride, that's their joy. That's all they cared about. And so they did not come to the temple for worship because they were out in the middle of the fields keeping watch over their flock. And they were considered dirty because they were with the animals all the time. They were dirty. And so they were despised people in this era. They were looked down upon. There's no good things to say about a shepherd. And so when we're thinking about this, I wanna point that out as we're reading through this. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, is born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign for you that you will find the babe wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feed trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace. Everybody say peace. Peace on earth to people he favors. So we read through this, and I wanna point out to you how amazing this might have been. All of a sudden, an angel comes to the shepherds and tells them, hey, Jesus is being born today. The Messiah has been born. And then all of a sudden, the sky opens up with a multitude of heavenly hosts saying, praise God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. An incredible sight that we really probably can't even imagine what it would have been like to see. But I wanna point out a few different things that we see here, and I wanna go back to the idea that the shepherds were lowly people. Unclean, not respected, definitely not perfect. And I wanna point out to us today that... uh, that when we think about a savior, a king, remember now for 400 plus years, they've been waiting for this savior to come, this Messiah, this Emmanuel, God with us. They've been waiting for 400 years for this God to show up. And where does he show up? He shows up in the middle of this field with these shepherds. So, to me, this seems a little bit backwards a little upside down, really. And so there's this phrase that is known as like the upside down kingdom or the uh, upside down economic of the kingdom. Because we think about a king coming and riding like a Prince Ali, a babwa, <laughs> coming into town, riding on an elephant. Like that's how we picture a king arriving, right? We picture a king with, with palm fronds and grapes being fed to them, a, a, a multitude of people carrying them, not of angels explaining or exclaiming different things, the glory to God in the highest. We, we picture a king coming with gold and rubies and diamonds and, and, and purple clothing, crowns, but that's not what we see here. We, we see that that they came to the shepherds, the lowliest individuals that could have ever been experienced to this king. So it's interesting, it's backward, it's upside down. It's upside down economics in a way. 
See, we, we picture the king being this, but instead it's this. It's the lowliest that we could have ever imagined. But he came to the shepherds. See, we're not perfect people. Ever since we were born, we're born into a thing called sin. Whether we like it or not, that's, that's a part of our life. We're broken people. We're not perfect. And as a matter of fact, at Anchor Church, we recognize that, not to celebrate it, but we want to, uh, people to understand when they walk in, listen, that person who just greeted you at the door, not perfect. The person who welcomed you, not perfect. Handed you the bulletin, not perfect. Uh, works at the coffee cart, definitely not perfect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a bunch of you, that's why I said that. The pastor, not perfect. But if we can recognize that and understand that as we sit here together, that we're all on the same level playing field of the fact that we're all sinners and we're not perfect, then okay, let's focus on what we can do to grow in Christ. What can we do to grow together in Christ as a church family? What can we do to stand arm to arm, lock shoulders, arm around each other, and grow in Christ together? That's the, that's the, that's the idea of what a church family is. So what can we do? we can recognize that we're not perfect. See, Jesus didn't come with power. He didn't come with swagger. He came in humility and meekness to the shepherds, not for the morally upright, because there were a lot of those people in this day, but he came to the castoffs and the broken. Shepherds were liars. They were thieves. They didn't come to the temple. Like I said, they were dirty. But he came to the, to the ones that were broken and rejected. So as we sit here together today, locking arms and, and with each other as a church family, we need to recognize that God came for us, the broken. We're not perfect. If you think you're perfect, just ask somebody that you know that knows about you, and I'm sure that they'll tell you that you're not Husbands and wives are nudging themselves right now. God, God doesn't come to, to, to those that are morally upright, but they came to the broken and the rejected. And here's what is important for us to understand. And it's a mistake in this upside down kingdom that I keep talking about is that non-believers, honestly, non-believers think that, you know what, God's against me, so I'm gonna be against him. You know what? God thinks this about me because they don't quite know, they don't quite understand. God thinks this about me, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna reject him and this is what I think about him. I, I hate him too. And that's a mistake. The problem is that we're all sinners and that wherever we go, there's where sin is. And that the problem for believers, honestly, is that we start to believe that we're perfect, but we're not perfect. Jesus was perfect. There's not one perfect person other than Christ. No one's righteous, no, not one. So Jesus came for the broken, he came for the weak, he came for the people that are just like you and me. And I think that sometimes as believers, we get caught up in this thing that, you know what, I'm gonna protect myself, I'm gonna put up this hedge around me, and I'm gonna live in this little perfect kingdom that is my own. And that's not biblical and it's not correct. And what happens is, is we completely shun people around us that need Christ, that need, need God in their life, and it is, it's a problem. 
And, and the real big issue with it is that when we put up this hedge and we pretend that, that our little world is perfect, remember, wherever you are, there is where sin is, and all of a sudden you're entrapped in your own situation, and it's not good for anything. And so Christ draws near to, to sinners, and we see that as a pattern. We see it from the moment that he comes to this earth, and the angels show up to the shepherds in the field. These come into the broken. They're coming to the broken people to announce that Christ is coming. And in Mark chapter two, we see something very, very similar when Christ draws near to sinners. And it's, it's a pattern that we see all throughout Christ's ministry. So in Mark chapter two, verse 15 through 17, we see this. It says that while he was reclining at the table, now remember if you were here last week, we talked about how uh, the, the chairs in this one doctor's office were worn out just on the front side of the, of the chair because people were there and they were, they were concerned and they were worried and they, they didn't have hope and we talked about hope. And so here's Jesus already, he's reclining. And while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also guests. So he's sitting among sinners and he's not sitting at the edge of his seat concerned about what they might think about him. He's not sitting at the edge of his seat concerned about uh, the fact that they're sitting in front of him. He's leaning back. He is reclining at the table. And he was with his disciples because there were many who were following him. And then the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, and they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus didn't come for perfect people because there's no perfect people. And again, if you think that you're perfect, again, there's something not quite right with your thinking. But Jesus came to call the sinners. He came for the sinners. The church is a hospital for the broken, not a museum for the saints. And so Jesus came, and it's the theme that we see throughout his ministry. Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with people that were broken. The fact that he went to this little, man, little, names, uh, little man's house named Zacchaeus would have been absolutely scandalous that he went to his house. And Jesus calls out in front of a multitude of people. He says, you know what? I'm coming to your house today. That would have been scandalous. But here he goes seeking after the broken. When Jesus was born and he was wrapped in the swaddling clothes, he's wrapped in that little blanket, he didn't come holding the 11th through 20th commandments to say, you know what, everybody is wrong and this is, no, he came for the broken. He came to heal what is broken. John 3.16 gets a lot of press, right? Tim Tebow wore it and all the people were Googling it and but John 3, 17 is one of my favorite Bible verses and it often gets forgotten about. It says that Jesus came to the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world from condemnation. So, so Jesus is a gift from God to the whole world, but he, he wasn't a gift to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And as Christ followers, Christians, we also need to be a friend 
of sinners. See, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was known as the Prince of Peace. And they said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Peace was coming to this world. Peace was coming to the same ground that we walk on. And I want you to understand that we're broken and, and there's this thing in the Old Testament where God was, was, was after the broken people because he was displeased with the way that they were. So there's this major tension that's happening between the wrath of God and the brokenness of people where people felt like they could not keep up with what they were doing with their lives because they kept sinning and they kept doing the things that they were doing and rejecting God and God was, was sending all the wrath and the fire and everything else that he could send to punish those that were against him. And then enters Jesus to bring the peace between the two. So in Luke chapter two, the angels come to the shepherds and they announce that this Messiah is coming. When the angels came, you could just imagine, or at least I imagine, one of them coming and say, you know, like almost to the point where, like God says, hey, angel, I need you to go down to the shepherds. And the angel's like, okay, listen, the shepherds, are you sure? Because like, you know what, they're, they're around the campfire right now. Like, you know what they're talking about? And he's like, yeah, I know, I'm God. Yeah. And then like, they're, they're saying, well, we all wanna go. No, just send one. And then the rest of you can show up a little bit later. But here's the idea. They go down and they announce this and they say, don't be afraid because imagine how terrified they must have been that this was happening, especially to the shepherds because imagine if you were around the campfire talking about what, you know, locker room talk with the, <laughs> with the other shepherds, like you would think, okay, something bad's about to happen to us. But all of a sudden they say, you know, we, we bring you tidings of great joy. Good news is coming. The Prince of Peace is coming. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth. And God was sending Christ. He was sending Jesus to make peace on earth. And so you and I, like I mentioned before, are broken from birth. We are rebellious of God. And there, we're not righteous. We're not perfect. And so we, uh, and, and humankind, have always had this thing against God because God is perfect. There's the wrath of God and then the brokenness sinfulness of humans. And so while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's the one that bridges the gaps because there's this wage uh, against sin and the wages against sin is death. Not just death on earth, but death for uh, eternity. And so Christ steps in and gives us eternity with him, gives us life. When we talk about eternal life, it's life with Christ forever. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of what Jesus gives us with, when he dies on the cross. He bridges the wrath of God with the broken people so that when God sees us, he sees Christ and he sees the, perf the perfection in Christ. And it's so important for us to recognize the peace of that. And I think about these stones that mentioned stones in the video, and I think about just in the Old Testament with the brokenness that they must have experienced, that there was, there was, they felt like their bricks were all over the place. And there's this shalom where, where, where all of a sudden things are starting to come together. And Christ is that peace. He brings the pieces of that stone wall together, and he binds us with him forever to be able to experience eternal life. 
And I was thinking about how we can apply this to our own lives, okay? So when we ask Christ to come into our life and be our Lord and Savior, he builds the wall. He binds us. And as a church, as, as we're involved in church, that wall gets stronger and stronger because we come together brick by brick to lock arms together. But in our personal lives, we have all kinds of things. We've got, we've got fear. We've got anxiety. We've got stress. I think about how it is in our lives that we have all these different things going on, especially around Christmas. We have a lot of things that we're fearful of. We're fearful of relationships. We're fearful of family. We're fearful of losing our job. We're fearful of losing the things that we love. We're fearful of sickness. There's a lot of things that we can be afraid of. If we're walking through things, then we're anxious about those things. We can stress out about those things. We can stress out about finances. We can stress out about not being able to provide the perfect Christmas. We can stress out about looking at what other people are doing and, and not necessarily focusing on what we can actually do and how important that is. We start to stress out about those things. There's a lot of work that comes, that it's involved, but as we begin to lean into Christ and lean into him and be able to experience all that he has given us, our bricks start to align. And as we might feel, I don't know if you feel like this, but this week for me, absolute chaos. We were preparing for uh, the ladies uh, thing at our house. And, uh, and by we being prepared, we, our house was not prepared. Stressed out about that. Stressed out about being able to uh, get things together for that. Stressed out about things that we need to do and I need to do for the church. Stressed out about things that is happening with Danil and her work and just carrying the load of that. But as we begin to come to him, because he's the only one that really can give us peace, we start to see something happen. Something starts to build. Something starts to make sense and something starts to get stronger. And this is shalom. This is peace. This is the peace that God can give us when we come to him with these things. Because we're not God. I don't know if you realize that. Do you realize that? I, I'm not God. Pretty sure you guys aren't either. But a lot of times we try to do this on our own. We try to, to, to put peace in these situations on their own. And that's why it's scattered all over the place. That's why our lives feel like a mess sometimes because we try to take care of those things. We try to take care, you know what, I'm gonna, I, I'll just get better at this. Uh, I know that, that, that this area of my life is not perfect, but I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna work harder on it. And then, oh, 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 you know what, this area of my life is not good either, so I'm gonna, this, you know what, I need to take care of this first. And then if I just take care of this, then, I, oh, you know what, I forgot about that over there. You know what, okay, I, I'm so stressed out about, I'm so, all right, let me just, I'm gonna take care of this one real quick. And what happens is it turns into this endless cycle of us trying to manage all these things on our own. But what Christ tells us to do is come and bring those to him because he's the only one is able to offer the peace that surpasses all understanding. That if I give this to him, you know what? I don't understand how I feel relieved from this, but he is the Prince of Peace and he is able to bridge those gaps between the different areas of our life. And we come together and we start to give these things to him and we start to participate 
participate in church together and are experiencing life together with our church family and are a part of these different things, you know what starts to happen? We start to have this shalom. We start to have this peace in our life that, you know what, otherwise it just doesn't make any sense. And it can be tiring. But this is what he gives us. This looks so much better than the scatteredness that can be our lives sometimes. And he does that for us. But often we try to be our own God and try to take care of these things on our own. I wanna encourage you today during this Christmas season with all the things that you've got going on. I'm not telling you not to do them, okay? Because that'll get you in trouble. Wife, husband, job, boss. Like you, you still gotta do them. You still gotta buy the presents. You still gotta take care of these things. You don't have, you don't have to buy the presents, but you kinda do, right? You get what I'm saying though, right? Like all this stuff still has to happen, but the way that we can process it and give it to him, it helps, it works. Christmas is a time of peace and it doesn't feel like it sometimes. But I'm encouraging you today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, seek him. I encourage you to pour into the scriptures, read through Luke 2. Find a devotional that fits you. If you're interested in one, I could point you towards one. I could point you towards a, an Advent one that's walking you through the Christmas season until the end of, end, end of December. That might just be what you need, I don't know. I don't know what you need, but I'm telling you the one thing you need is Christ in your life to help you put the pieces together. It's worth a shot if you, don't, if you haven't done it, it's worth a shot. But it takes sacrifice. Jesus came to this, work, this earth with meekness, with humility, and the only way that this is gonna build up in your life is if you approach it in the same way, with humility and meekness, to say, you know what, God? I can't do this on my own. I know that I'm not you. So I'm gonna leave this right here. You still do the steps and still take care of the things you need to take care of. But God, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do this on my own. He says, come to me, who all are weak and weary, and I'll give you rest. And in that rest, we can find peace. We can find him. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.